The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage and all small business, and it's heard all around the world at this time every week. This program's all about helping entrepreneurs, and whether we're talking about Silicon Valley or Moscow or whether it's Tel Aviv or Shanghai, there's been an explosion over the last few years in entrepreneurship. And while most entrepreneurs are in their early 30s and male, this is changing. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke on this program about the boom in the United States of entrepreneurs that are 50 and over who now feel empowered to have a go at creating something on their own. Also in the US, there's 550 new female entrepreneurs every day, encouraged, supported and empowered by a really dramatic increase in the number of women's networking organisations. It's really tremendous. We've talked about this before too. In US colleges, one student in six begins a business while in college. And these are addressing every spectrum of business and challenging established ways of doing business in a host of areas. And this needs to really be encouraged because... Not only do we improve the way we do business, but we do business so much more effectively and cost efficiently. And this improves life right across the whole community. On this program, we're always urging more assistance for entrepreneurs. So it was interesting to me that Forbes magazine has produced a list of the best places to launch startups. And I wanted to run through some of these with you because I think it's interesting. This is probably no surprise, but the best place in the world to commence a startup is Silicon Valley in California. And this is the home to companies like Google, Apple, um, Facebook, a whole range of great companies. In Silicon Valley, the average entrepreneur is 33 years old. And they work an average of 10 hours a day and mostly seven days a week. Silicon Valley is also the place where most of the world's venture capital is invested. Number two on the list of the best places to launch a startup is Tel Aviv in Israel, where venture capital is also available. And Tel Aviv brought us 
Babylon and Mirabilis. Number three on the list is Los Angeles, which brought us Factual, Shoe Dazzle and Omaze. Fourth on the list of the best places in the world to launch a startup is Seattle. And interestingly, 41% of all Seattle entrepreneurs came from Silicon Valley. Of course, Seattle has brought us some great companies like Amazon, Microsoft and Zillow. New York's fifth on the list and very strong for women entrepreneurs. From number five on, it now starts to get increasingly difficult for entrepreneurs to raise venture capital. And an increasing majority of capital is coming from friends and family. Sixth on the list of places in the world, best place in the world to start a to begin a startup is Boston, but it's only got one fifth of the number of startups that Silicon Valley has. Seventh on the list is London, followed by Toronto, Vancouver, with Chicago in tenth place. It's also interesting that as we go from number one to number ten, the number of hours worked also decreases, and decreased by about 350 hours a year. Now, that's about 10 working weeks in a year of less effort being put in. Now, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we've got a lot of listeners in Australia, and I still have a number of great clients there. Forbes magazine concluded that Australian entrepreneurs receive almost 90% less funding per project in their peers in Silicon Valley. And more importantly, Australian entrepreneurs face considerable challenges making any impact outside Australia. Now, the future of the economic revival of the world is dependent on all of us, that's government and private enterprise, encouraging and assisting entrepreneurs. The reason that 97% of all new enterprises fail is not because of lack of funding, which is suggested by most entrepreneurs, but due to a lack of expertise in running a business. The only one absolutely true fact is that all businesses that fail, they do so because they don't generate enough income to pay their bills and grow their business. And the reason for that is purely lack of business expertise. Most entrepreneurs also don't seek advice from other successful business people, like accountants and lawyers and consultants, and they try to do as much as possible internally or delay engaging an expert as long as they can. This is really short-sighted. It might save them a little bit of money in the short term, but it will absolutely guarantee that the company fails in the longer term. Last week, I was speaking at a conference and in the workshop we spoke about why some CEOs and salespeople have an absolutely remarkable ability to charm everybody they speak to and get them to enthusiastically do almost whatever they want and they close deals much better than anyone around them. And we sort of asked, why was, what, what is that? 
Now, I work with entrepreneurs every day, and many of them complain that they can't close an investor or they're negotiating a joint venture and are not getting anywhere. And the reality is that 90% of the people that I talk to, entrepreneurs, have the personality and the charisma of a dead frog. Most of them will never sell anything to anybody, ever. Then a couple of days ago, I was watching television and saw Bill Clinton, who I met a few years ago in Santa Monica, and who absolutely epitomizes charisma. When he speaks to you, he instantly makes you feel important. He's really interested in what you say, where I'm sure or he appears to be, and I'm sure he's bored shitless. And he makes you feel special. Now, Clinton lights up a room just by walking in. The fact is, you know, some people are remarkably charismatic. They build and maintain great relationships. They consistently influence the people around them. They make people feel better about themselves. They're the kind of people that everybody wants to be around and that every one of us wants to be like. So I did a bit of homework to determine the habits of remarkably charismatic people. And what I found was that the good news is that being fantastically charismatic isn't about our level of success or our presentation skills, how we dress or the image we project. It's about what we do. We can learn it. And the first quality you need is to listen way more than you talk. You need to ask questions, maintain eye contact. You need to smile and frown and nod and really participate. You need to actively respond both verbally and non-verbally. That's all it takes to show the other person that you think that they're important and worth listening to. You should only speak when you've got something important to say and don't offer advice unless you're asked because when you offer advice, the conversation is suddenly about you and not about them. The second quality that charismatic people have is that they don't practice selective hearing. Now, how many people do you know that are totally incapable of hearing anything that's said by anybody? Somehow, they feel that they've got the only point of view that counts. Where charismatic people listen closely to everyone, regardless of their position or their social status, and they make us feel like we've got something important to say. Even if they probably couldn't care less, they appear that they do. Charismatic people pay attention they don't check their phone, they don't check their watch, and they don't keep glancing around the room looking for somebody more interesting to speak to. You can never connect with other people if you don't give them your full attention. The fourth quality that I found that charismatic people have is that they give before they receive. They never seem to think first about what they can get. And by doing this, in 99% of cases, they ultimately get what they want. 
So if you focus on what you can get out of the other person, what you're really showing them is that the only person that you give a stuff about is you. Charismatic people also don't come across as being self-important. The only people who are impressed if you're stuffy and pretentious and self-important are other people who are equally stuffy, pretentious and self-important. Most of us aren't impressed and not only are we not attracted to them, as soon as we see them coming, we duck and hide. And that isn't the way to win hearts and get what you want done. The sixth trait of charismatic people is that they realise other people are more important. Let's face it, you already know what you know. You know your own perspectives and you know your point of view. So you can't learn anything from yourself. But you can learn things from everyone else. Charismatic people also come across as modest. They focus on praising others. People love praise and they appreciate the fact that you pay enough attention to what they're doing. Now, the eighth habit of charismatic people is that they carefully choose their words. For example, you don't have to interview job candidates. You get to select a great person to join your team. Same thing, different emphasis, and it creates happy, enthusiastic people. The ninth reason charismatic people succeed is they don't belittle others. Let's face it, you know, we all love to read the tabloids. When you go to the supermarket, you look at the tabloids. And we all like hearing a little bit of gossip, but we definitely don't respect or even like people who dish the dirt. When you criticise other people, the people you're speaking with, don't you sit there and you think, Jesus, I wonder what they say about me behind my back. And the tenth reason that charismatic people are successful is that they readily admit their failings. Many people that think that charismatic people come that way because they're successful. But you don't have to be incredibly successful to be charismatic, but you do have to be genuine. You need to be humble. Discuss your screw-ups and admit your mistakes. I've made millions of mistakes, so I could talk to people for hours. Now, people won't laugh at you. They'll laugh with you. So if you want to be as charismatic as Bill Clinton, you need to genuinely care about people and make them the focus of your attention. You'll be surprised just how many people will follow you anywhere and how many deals that you'll close. Now, don't forget, this program is all about you the entrepreneur or the small business person. You're listening to the show because you want tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss or an email with a specific question that you would like answered, please don't hesitate to send it to bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or email you directly. I'm Bob Pritchard, and after the break, I will talk with my guest, a great guy, NFL great Scooter Magruder. I'm working with him on a project, and uh, I'm looking forward to be back in with back with him in just a minute. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the show where we talk to interesting people. People who have been extremely successful and are doing something really worthwhile. In the business community, there's more and more emphasis on doing good for others. And my next guest typifies that spirit. We all know Scooter Magruder as a great NFL player who played in the Super Bowl 31 with the New England Patriots as a cornerback. Scooter played a total of 12 years of professional football after being team football captain and captain of the track team at Kent State University. Scooter was tied for third in the NFC with five interceptions in 1993 while he's with the San Francisco 49ers. In a very tough business that is football, Scooter was a real champion. And as regular listeners to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show know, this program is all about helping others, primarily in a business sense, but we also recognise that those of us who have enjoyed success have an obligation back to the community that enabled us to achieve that success. And Scooter is one of those givers. After football, Scooter formed Platinum Charities, a non-profit organisation dedicated to motivating at-risk youth and empowering families in underserved communities. Scooter is committed to creating life-changing opportunities to let children and family to lift children and families out of poverty. Scooter really understands inner city challenges and Platinum Charities provides scholarship initiatives, youth-based programs and home ownership opportunities for disadvantaged families. Not only that, Scooter's a great guy. He's fantastic to speak with. He, um, we were talking earlier and he, he told me that when he was playing football, his um, body mass was 3.5% body fat. I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> fantastic. So I'm really pleased to have him on the phone. Hi, Scooter. How are you? 
Thank you very much, Bob. It's great to be on your show. What an opportunity it is for me to have a chance to uh, be on the air and get a chance to uh, talk to you a little bit. And I'm excited about this. Mate, I'm a hell of a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First question, how did you get the nickname Scooter? Where'd that come from? I'll tell you what, it it goes back quite a few years. Uh, You know, I was running all over the place. They said I was fast. I had some speed. They saw me scoot. They said, look at him, scoot. And then they said, the last name, Magruder. So they said Scooter. So it kind of rhymed with the last name, Scooter Magruder. And, and, you know, over the years, you know, John Madden and everyone else have given me awards and name um, had my name go out there as, you know, one of the the best names in the NFL and everything else. So it stuck with me for years and years and years back in the day. And it's still there. Still there. (laughs) It's funny you say that, Bob, because there are quite a few of my teammates uh, that I played with over the years that will will call me up or or see me somewhere and be like, Scooter. And then, you know, they they will say the one thing, Scooter, what is your real first name? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, why do you have such an understanding and affinity with uh, inner city youth? What brought that about? Well, I believe that the opportunity for me to be blessed, and if I'm receiving a blessing, then it has a chance for me to bless others. Uh, you know, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, yep. uh, in, in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. So a lot, I saw a lot of different things happening to people that I knew. Uh, not a lot of good stuff. Yep. So I said, you know, when I make it, my dream comes true, then I want to help others uh, achieve their dreams. And my goal now is to help as many youth uh, find their dreams becoming a reality. To, to be an a NFL player, and, you know, I know I was reading the other day that um, and only one college football player out of 3,000 or something makes it into the NFL – um, so it's a really almost impossible to attain task. How much training a week goes into being an NFL player? Bob, that's a great question. Uh, to go in, during the off season, I can start there first. I train six days a week, five to six hours a day Sheesh. during the off season. Uh, during the season, I would watch an average of two to four extra hours of game film a day on my opponent so that I can know them as well as I knew anyone else right. out there because I was about to go into battle. And my life, I was taking a chance of my life if I didn't know as much about my opponent that I could. So we would practice, you know, we would, we would practice uh you know, three, about three hours a day, but then we had to do weights, which was another hour, and then we would have to uh, do warm down. So you're looking at between three to five hours a day training during the season and the same, you know, a little bit more during the off-season. Wow. So let's let's just talk about NFL for just a fraction longer. Now, as a quarterback, um, you guys, a cornerback, you guys run at Olympic speeds, but you're really small compared with these six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pound giants that someone out there breeds. I don't know where these guys come from. So when you get taken down by two thousand pounds of huge guys and you're on the bottom of the pile, 
do you ever sit there and think, why the hell am I doing this? I think that every day now, Bob, <laughs> uh, since I retired and, and, and I thought I w- was uh, unbreakable. Yeah. And I see all the injuries starting to come to my body now after the years of playing from the back to the neck to the knees to the ankles. I'm having so many injuries that are happening now, and, and you guys are probably hearing all of the concussion cases and yeah. the uh, injuries from NFL players from years back. Well, I didn't believe that stuff was going to happen to me, but slowly I see it happening to me now with the back injuries and everything else. Uh, I tell you, when, when you're in a game, you feel your your body is so trained and your mind is so trained that you can almost run through a brick wall. Yeah. And there are some coaches out there that are such great motivators, like uh, Bill Belichick, Bill yep. Parcells, some of the coaches that coach me, yeah. that you you can run through a brick wall for that coach. And, and we did whatever it take to do our part to make the our part complete the team. Yeah. Because without the individual, you couldn't make the team. But without the team, you couldn't be, really be your individual. So you had to, you had to create the opportunity and seize the moment. So how much um, magic spray did you have to use to kill the pain every game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, each NFL team has, has a group of doctors sitting there waiting there because there are going to be injuries. I mean, yeah. we see them every week. I'm watching football games now. And I, I can't understand how, how how these guys are making it through the game. So I know when I played, you know, the rules were a little different. You could yeah. do a lot more 10 years ago than you could do now. I mean, the rules are being changed daily because they want to eliminate the concussions. They want to eliminate the big hits and stuff like that. But back when we played, that was part of the game, you know. That yeah. that, that was the highlights of the, of the game. <laughs> well, so, the, guys, the guys today are bigger and stronger aren't they some i i went to the um uh usc ucla game um a week or so ago and and some of these kids are six foot seven six foot eight 350 pounds and they move like shaquille o'neal you know they they that always amazed me too how somebody as big as him could be so so nimble (laughs) that's that's absolutely right bob Uh, the athletes now are faster they're stronger. Uh, sometimes you you know they're taking more vitamins. Yeah, uh, and whatever. It's else. a total different athlete athlete now, and, exactly. and you know the game is changing. You don't see a lot of fat on a lot of guys. You know no, you uh, these right. guys are really pure athletes, and to play professional football, somebody asked me what one time before, what does it feel like to play in an NFL game? Yeah, and I said. Okay, if you really want to know, I suggest you don't do it. But if you really want to know, <laughs> you you go out to the middle of the street, you close your garage door first, you walk all the way out to the middle of the street, and you run full speed down your driveway <laughs> up into the garage door, and you run into that. And you do that ten times, and that's like playing a quarter. <laughs> okay, so how have you really fared injury-wise? What are all the bits that hurt? <laughs> well, it, it, I don't know how long the show will be today, but it, you might want to know what parts don't hurt. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have quite a few injuries, you know, and and sometimes I wonder, man, if I had to do it over again, would I want to play 12 years of professional football because of the injuries that I've had? And, What's the answer? you know, I sit back and, and I wonder and I think about that question all the time because 
you know, I, you know, there, there's talk of me having back surgery, talk of me having neck surgery, talk of me, you know, with the broken fingers, the knees, the ankles. Oh, I mean, geez. the list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, I, I'm talking to Scooter, just for listeners, I'm talking to Scooter about a great new product. I won't tell you what the product is, but it's, um, it's for people with back injuries and it'd be perfect for the NFL. And, and so we're, we're talking about that and hopefully we will, um, we'll get something off the ground with that. Mate, after being a star for so long and, you know, being a, being an NFL player, you're revered by so many people and, and it seems that even businessmen of the, the hardest businessmen of the biggest companies seem to melt into jello when they meet NFL stars. Is it hard to adjust to a normal life without that massive adrenaline rush every time you run out in front of a stadium full of people? I tell you what, Bob, that's a great question. There are, there are a lot of players that are having a difficult time adjusting because it's a different mindset. Uh, you, if you think about an NFL game, you can almost legally go out there and beat somebody up and nothing will happen to you. Well, when you step across those white lines, which are the boundaries, when you come back across those lines, if you, if you do some of the stuff that's done on the football field, you will giant. get arrested because it's yeah. almost assault. Yeah. So some of the guys have to change their mindset. They gotta, they gotta be implemented back into the right programs, the right business decisions, uh, the right relationships. Uh, I do know that the NFL, the experience of the NFL has, has really taught me a lot. It just taught me what teamwork, uh, leadership, you know, the lose, the never yeah. losing mindset. The, of course, thinking outside the box because there's things happening in the game that you can't prepare for, so you gotta think outside the box. Sure. So there are quite a few things there because there are a lot of players that I played with I didn't like, yeah. but I knew that we had the same goal. So because we had the same goal, I had to understand what team, what teamwork was all about, what leadership was all about. Yeah, so th- that's that's on a business side. Um, I guess it crosses over into the personal a bit. But what life experiences, you know, all the things like leadership and discipline and um, teamwork—they're all sort of businessy to to a degree. They also apply in in life. But what are the major life experiences that you took out of your time with the NFL? Oh, without a doubt, I think that uh, the experiences of the relationships, the the locker room, the jokesters, the, you know, the probably I, I don't I've never counted, but I probably have played with probably ten guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. Right. I had the opportunity to go to the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Curtis Martin, the running back for my old teammate, my locker mate, went into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as I was there, I saw some of my other teammates, Dan Marino, right. you know, right. uh, yep. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. Now, I mean, my list good, goes on and on and on there's a few because good those relationships that there, that keeps you going because, man, you knew that you were part of helping to create a lifetime commitment and something that there are only about 200 50 or 300 guys in the whole world that are part of, and that's the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah. So is it hard to adjust to a personal relationship with a partner after you've had all that adulation and being a star? What pressures does that put on you? 
it's a lot of pressure. I mean, it, life has a lot of pressures, but what you can, what I do understand is that from my uh, years of professional football and and understanding what it takes on the on the field, there also is another side off the field, and there's a lot of guys that are having issues with partnerships, with yeah. relationships. True. Uh, the NFL is doing a lot of work now to try to help the guys become better with their relationships because we meet so many, I guess you want to call A-list celebrities. Yeah. We meet so many corporate executives. I've met so many CEOs of corporations and so many celebrities that wanted to meet me more than I wanted to meet them. And then when I met them, I was like, I'm so happy to meet you guys. Yeah. And it yeah. was vice versa. So it, it, it was awesome that, you know, people look at you and think about you this way. But at the same hand, I'm looking there and saying, man, this is great for me to meet a, a Fortune 500 CEO and and we're talking about life and business and decisions and the future of this United States country and the world. Yeah. So your Platinum Charities, let's talk about the good stuff. Um, it's all about helping the inner city underprivileged, particularly youth. So what's your ultimate goal for Platinum Charities? Where do you want to go with it? I tell you what, Platinum Charities is very dear to my heart. Uh, you, you know, some people say they want to give 100%. Well, you know, I'm big on numbers, so my my number when I was playing with the New England Patriots was number 27. So I want to give 127 percent yeah. to Platinum Charities, and because of that, because I see that I see where our future's going. Yep. And our future's not good right now, but if we put our future in the hands of the youth that I see in the world, we have major issues coming up in our future. So for us to change our own future. We need to get to the youth now, knowing that our youth, eh, what is it, 20%, 25% of our population, but they're yep. 100% of the future. And yep, if we can are, get to right. the youth now and help create the right mindset, help create a business mindset, help create ways that we bring jobs back into the United States and help yep. the United States continue to grow in, in the areas we need to grow at, and help to help to just create the mindset, help the kids dream, and it's all about dreaming again. Yeah, and it's all about believing in those dreams. Dolly Parton was on the, um, I think, the Today Show this morning, and she's got a a new song about um, about dreaming and and you know having a a um, absolute dedication to that dream, and you can achieve it. There's nothing you can't achieve. The only thing that stops you achieving anything is you. Um, and I think that's a great message. So what what are the biggest challenges that Platinum Charities faces? Is it is it money? Is it help? Is it what, what are the biggest challenges that you face? Bob, that's a great question. I think uh, some of the biggest challenges are building relationships with corporations that yep. actually see the vision. Uh, what we're doing right now is we're going to build homes. And we're going to put families that are in need of homes, ladies that have been in domestic violence situations. We're going to get them out of that situation and put them into a house so that they can, so they can start their life over. But not just for the the female, because we found out that there are so many uh, sons that are in that lifestyle that see yeah. that wrong lifestyle and they think it's okay to do it. So the yeah. chain continues and continues. So we're trying to change the mindset of the youth in the household as well as 
get the female out of that situation. So we're, we're, uh, our goal is now to partner up with the NFL and partner up with, with corporate corporations to yeah. go ahead and do homes in all of the NFL cities, partner up with active players and partner up with the people that can help bring this, bring this to, uh, to the level we want it to come to. And that's our goal. We, we, we want to, uh, to build houses, buy houses, renovate houses in all of the NFL cities. Great. That's fantastic. I love it. So what are some of the social issues that we have here that you think that, um, um, the business world or the sport and entertainment world separately or together that they can change? What are some of those social issues that can be changed, do you think? Well, without a doubt, I mean, one one issue that I see a lot of with our youth is that uh, they need more people believing in them. Yeah. They need more people letting them understand that you can dream, you have an opportunity to dream. I think one of the issues that we have in the inner city is that everyone wants to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Well, Bob, you just gave a stat. I believe you said one out of every 3,000 college players make it to the NFL. That's not very good odds. (laughs) No. But I'm not here to tell you not to dream, but I'm here to tell you that if you have a chance to play college balling and, and that dream comes true, get the education for free. Get the education so that you can create your own business. You can create your own future. Uh, We we need to let kids understand that the chance to play professional sports is not likely. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the chance to own your own business is unbelievably likely. True. Um, Do you think that enough um, professional athletes use their fame and fortune to do good in the community? Or I I believe I believe that there are a lot of uh, professional athletes, you know, I was talking about Michael Jordan uh, sure. earlier. He does a lot of charity work. Uh, quite a few guys are doing a lot more charity work because when it's all said and done and you leave this earth, you know, most of the guys want to be known for more than just being a professional athlete. Yeah. They want to be known for giving back to the to communities, give, giving back to, to the youth. And anytime, uh, Bob, I believe that we – when you can bring when you can bring corporations together, communities yep. together, and celebrities together, you can almost change anything in the world. Yeah, and, and that's what Platinum Charity stands for. We we stand for the four C's: corporation, uh, communities, celebrities, making a change, and uniting for community for for charity. That's great. Okay, what's next for Scooter Magruder in two thousand and fourteen? And in the years ahead, apart from a lot of surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. I'm not Bob, laughing at you, trust uh, me. <laughs> I, I, live day, I live my life day by day, and I enjoy the day because I understand that uh, uh, for 12 years, I had 350-pounders chasing me around a football field. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I know I made it through that, and most likely I can help other people make it through things in their life that they thought were difficult. And like one of my coaches always told us, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, Bill Parcell said, uh, and it's not a train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So there is a chance to to uh, to make a change in life. And I, I believe for, for Scooter Magruder in 2013 and beyond that I have a few things I'm working on. One of them is there is a major number of youth dying in the United States 
from from uh, automobiles. Right. You know, I believe the number. I might not be accurate on it, but I believe the number is like eighteen teenagers are dying a day Jeez. from car accidents. And I created a program that is so unbelievable that it will help the parents, will help the teenagers, everything else. And and we want to hopefully bring that to the United States in 2013 as a nonprofit charity. Because the Platinum Charities, we don't take any – there's no one on staff. Yeah. And that's another issue because we want to make sure every penny that we can raise will, will, will go to charity. And so – the more people that we can that can help us do that, the better that Platinum Charities can uh, help uh, our own future by helping the youth. That's fantastic, Scooter. Thanks very much for being a guest on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It's great to speak with you again, mate, and I hope that we can work together in the future. Now, if you'd like to know more about Platinum Charities, how you can donate money, provide sponsorship or volunteer assistance, go to platinumcharities.org. Org. That's PlatinumCharities.org. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Business Radio Program. Now, this show is all about assisting entrepreneurs to become successful. It doesn't matter where in the world entrepreneurs are located. They all have a similar set of issues to deal with. I receive about 100 projects a week from all sorts of businesses seeking business advice of one form or another. But very seldom do they have the incredible potential of one I'm going to bring to you today. The business is called The Spirit of Arabia. And this is a brand with an incredible self-descriptive name and an inspirational logo. And it instantly conveys quality, style and trust. I've um, actually tracked down the entrepreneur behind Spirit of Arabia. His name's Arshed Mohammed. And I've got him on the phone from the wonderful city of Dubai. Hi, Arshed. Great to speak to you again. 
Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show. What is Spirit of Arabia? Bob, uh, we design, create, and manufacture high quality, but uh, realistically priced clothing, scarves, and fashion jewelry, reflecting the exotic and uh, rich Arab culture and heritage. There's currently nothing like it in the market for either Arabs uh, or the Western world, and our marketing is retail, corporate, and online. One of the things that um, I've been to the Middle East and to... um Dubai many 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 times and I've been to I've actually been to most of the Arab countries and there is a very rich heritage it's a unique culture unique architecture unique designs unique fashion and um, it does need to get out to the rest of the world and one of the keys to fueling the extraordinary growth that's possible with businesses today because of the internet is to ensure that you have fantastic designs that do reflect that culture. To me, that is a really strong feature of your range. Yeah, that's right, Bob. Uh, my creative director, uh, Amira Aloui, uh, has worked uh, with major brands, uh, and she spent, I say, 12 years at the heart of the fashion world in Paris. Uh, she's always full of new ideas, uh, and she's a great fashion designer. That comes across very strongly in um, in your products. What appeals Thanks, What appeals to me is that she has so wonderfully communicated the Arabian sense of mystery and intrigue, you know, sultry romance that um, takes me back to Lawrence of Arabia, and very rich, sophisticated luxury. And the critical element in any business is your potential market and your competition. It doesn't matter how, how good your product is if you don't have the market. Yes. Well, Bob, the good news is that we really have no competition, often the high-quality products that truly reflect the exotic Arab culture. The, the, the potential market here is actually it's enormous for what we're doing. Firstly, there's the, the Arab market with uh, uh, about 260 million Arabs in the region, uh, and there's about 480 million globally. Then if you look at just the Emirates, there's a population here of about 7.5 million, and it's one of the wealthiest regions in the world. And on top of that, we have around 10 million visitors to the UAE a year just now. Let me give you an indication just of the power of retail in Dubai. One of the malls, Dubai Mall, attracts four times the attendance of Disneyland every day of the year. We, and we've opened our flagship store in the new state-of-the-art Sunset Mall in Dubai's uh, upmarket Jumaida area, and that's near the famous Burj Al uh, Arab. I have been down there. I love that area. It's great. And um, that, that's quite an extraordinary figure. Four times the attendance of Disneyland every day of the year. That's the sort of... That's, that's incredible footfall traffic. That is amazing. So your potential market's staggering. And one of the things that really struck me when I was reading your business plan, that your potential captive market, it's as good as any in the world, and it's better than Fifth Avenue in New York. And yet, you still have tremendous potential for growth. So, how are you going to grow this business from now? 
Well, what we, we plan is to open company-owned stores uh, throughout the Arab region, you know, uh, after Dubai, a range of products in, in major uh, retail and hotel chains in the world, in the world's uh, leading cities. It sells through key duty-free stores worldwide. Uh, and, uh, of course, we want to maximize the tremendous uh, opportunities online. Uh, Dubai is one of the major centers in the world for conferences, and conference attendees want to take home products that reflect the culture of the region. So uh, Spirit of Arabia is uh, ideal for that rapidly growing market. Most of the times that I've been to Dubai, I've been up there speaking at conferences, and you're always looking for something to take home that's... Um uh, reflective of the region. Every every time I speak somewhere in the world, I I buy something that reflects the region, and it's it is hard to get. And and your stuff would be ideal. I've got a a house full of knickknacks and pieces and clothing that I've brought back from overseas, and I'd I'd love to have some of your stuff. It's phenomenal. So you've got a very unique, distinctly Arabian product. You've got a huge captive market. You've got no direct competition. You've got a world-class designer. You yourself have got excellent qualifications and business management experience. So the future for Spirit of Arabia, from where I sit, looks fantastic. Our radio show is all about assisting entrepreneurs like you to achieve your goals. So what is it that we can do or our listeners can do to assist you to build Spirit of Arabia into the dream that you foresee? Yeah, well, Bob, up to now, I've invested around $750,000 in Spirit of Arabia, and I really need funding now to continue to drive the growth of the business. Right. So how much money are you looking for, Ashid? Ideally, six hundred thousand would uh, six hundred thousand dollars would enable us to really move forward next year. And what would an investor get for uh, six hundred thousand bucks? For that, we, we we're offering ten percent equity in the business uh, in a business that you know you've described has got huge global potential. Uh, they'd be involved with a company that's really passionate about creativity, uh, and they'd have a, a lot of fun along the way. That we can guarantee. Ashid, as I said at the start of the interview, I think this is a fantastic product. As soon as it came across my desk, actually as soon as I saw the logo and the name, I thought it was fantastic. And that's possibly because I've been to the Middle East so many times. It's just so representative of what what the Middle East is. And um, I think it's a fantastic project. And anyone who's listening who would like to get involved, well, you can go to spiritofarabia.com that's spiritofarabia.com or check them out on Facebook, Twitter or be interest you can also get in touch with me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and I will pass your inquiries directly onto our shed so that's spiritofarabia.com look it up $600,000 will buy you 10% of a company that I think has got a phenomenal future and um if you'd like to know more, either contact, go to Spirit of Arabia and get in touch with them, or contact bob at bobpritchard.com and I will pass any inquiries directly onto our shed. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and great advice for entrepreneurs 
after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Show that's coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. Now, this is the segment where I answer your emails, and because we get emails from all over the planet, uh, each week I try to at least answer at least one email from outside the United States. This email segment's very popular because I think that um, no matter where you are in the world or what business you're in, we all have the same problems. Um, I think I've said before that if I um, if I give a speech in England or if I give a speech in somewhere in the United States or in, in, in Southeast Asia, the questions you get from small business, they're all the same. So... We all face the same issues, so an answer that I give to somebody's email on the show probably applies equally as much to you as it does to them. Now, my first email today is from Jane Watson from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Jane writes, Dear Bob, thanks for your program. I really enjoy it, and I've learned so much from listening to you. I have a full-time job and I've also commenced my own business, which I am working on primarily in the evenings and at weekends. My question is, when should I make the decision to quit my day job? Well, that's actually a bloody good question. First of all, congratulations on your decision to become an entrepreneur and a business owner. It is a great decision. Now, there's no hard and fast rules as to when you should quit your day job and focus on your new business, I think it's a decision that really only you can make. But it's fantastic for you to have decided that um, instead of working for somebody else's dreams and goals, you're going to build your own. I mean, that's really important. I think there's two perspectives on this, and they both make a lot of sense. The first one is that you quit your day job when you're comfortable that you have more than enough business to take care of yourself and your family, if you have one, of course. Usually that also includes having enough money put aside to get you through difficult times. Now, the other perspective is that you follow your gut and your passion. Many people that I've spoken to say that um, 
their mind was always on their entrepreneurial passion and so they're not really doing their regular job to the best of their ability and then when they got home and started working on their passion they were tired so they ended up not doing either very well so it's it's difficult enough to become an entrepreneur as it is and create a successful business without working under a handicap of being tired and short of time i've always been one to do what i want to do and if you really believe in it my advice is to bite off as much as you can chew and then chew like hell um if you've done your homework you've created a great business model and a strategy and are absolutely confident that you'll succeed, I recommend you throw caution to the wind and go for it. Either way, Jane, I wish you every success in your endeavour. We need a lot more people like you. We're going to send you out a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is available at all good bookstores and at Amazon. My second email today is from Sebastian Muller of Cleveland, Ohio, and we're going to have to race this one through. Dear Bob, thanks for a terrific program. I also recently bought your book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, and I'm learning a lot from it. Times are tough for my business right now, and I've been wondering whether I should diversify my product range to appeal to a wider audience. What are your thoughts on this? Sebastian, I work with many businesses and some are adding to the range of products they offer and some are reducing the number of products they offer. Um, you know, many companies increase their offering hoping to reach a broader range of customers and others are going back to basics, eliminating their less profitable lines in order to increase return on investment and become more efficient. Um, Expanding services is often a good idea, providing the new offering is complementary to your existing range and makes commercial sense. And when you add a new product line, you have to invest in it, so you're actually spending more money and then you have to train your sales team and your customers. This means you're spending a lot of money before you're making any money. So, Sebastian, I'd keep doing what you're doing and make sure you do it better than anybody else and provide a much better service than any of your competitors. That's much more likely to secure your business for the future than simply expanding your offering. Of course, continuing reviews of your product lines so that you can delete those that are not profitable is a very smart thing to do. Okay, well, that's it for this week. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, tell your friends to listen, go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. Until the same time next week, have a fantastic week. Let's kick some butt and please help a local entrepreneur with contacts, funding or mentoring. This is Bob Pritchard. I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.